everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And it's book club today. Yeah. So we're so excited to talk about this book. We read In Five Years by Rebecca Searle. Um, But before we dive in, this episode is actually sponsored by Simon & Schuster. So we are so excited to tell you about a book that we are both really excited about. And I just started reading it. It's called The Last House Guest by Megan Miranda. Um, It's already a New York Times bestseller, but now it's available in paperback. Ooh. So Grace, before we get into the episode... How are you doing? It looks like you're doing well because your cat is just like headbutting you right now. Yeah. So, guys, we're Zooming as we do this. And Tyrion is obsessed with Zoom. It's like his favorite thing. I had a conference call earlier today and he was like jumping on the table and like headbutting the laptop. It was hilarious. Do you think he's um, a sociopath? Do you think that he's manifesting a different personality for other people so that they think that he's a different cat? Well, so a friend of mine, John, thinks that he could be a changeling, which I haven't seen the movie, the Angelina Jolie movie, but a changeling is when it's usually with a child and fairies actually replace the the child with like a different one. And so I think that Tyrion could be a changeling. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. But how yeah. are you doing? I'm okay. Um, this week has been a little bit more normal. Um I guess every day that we're we're doing this and we're quarantined and we're self-isolating, it, it starts to feel more and more normal. I won't say that it's getting any easier or that like I'm less anxious, but it's okay. I've been um I have work, which is great. I've today I was shooting a lot of sponsored content by myself and I just miss having a photographer and people to help me with some of this stuff so much cuz like I've as an influencer, you're already kind of a one-man show, but, like, when you don't have anyone helping you with, like, those set things that you're not very good at, it's it's hard. <laughs> I've been making a lot of videos because I have an easier time doing that than still photos. Yeah, but I think people like the videos. It's, like, yeah, they're fun. It's weird and new. Yeah. So it's been good. How about you? I'm good. I have been so busy this week, and I'll tell you with what in my highs and my lows, but I've been so busy this week that I'm kind of having a week where even if I could go somewhere, I wouldn't. I would just be sitting in front of my computer. So it feels, it, I don't know, like it, it it feels fine because it's like I wouldn't be going anywhere anyway. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So staying busy has like been good, but we'll we'll hear more. So tell us your high. Okay. So my high is that we started recording Rom-Com Pods today, which is my new podcast that I'm co-writing and producing. And I am freaking out. It's it's happening. It's so cool. It's so cool. Hearing people read the script that we wrote and it being real is wild. Um, I had... I had such a nervous stomach this morning before we started recording and it went really well. I'm I'm over the moon. I um I actually just before we started recording, I had to go for a walk just to like walk off some of my energy. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. So I'm I'm so excited. Yeah. Can I also share a micro high in the yeah. tradition of last week? Mm-hmm. So my micro high is after I verbally abused Grace last week because I thought that she was drinking polar orange vanilla seltzer which she wasn't. Um, she found some and she she gave it to me. I did. I'm a good friend. <sighs> Polar orange vanilla seltzer is my love language. 
I'm so happy. It was definitely like, I again, I call it Instacart roulette. It's just like adding things to your cart and seeing what shows up when you get your delivery. Look, I'm drinking one right now. Oh, I'm drinking. I'm drinking pomegranate. Oh, cheers. Cheers. We're we're Zoom cheersing with our polar seltzers. Polar, if you want to sponsor this podcast, we would not say no. Oh, my God. That would be my high for like months. Can you imagine? Yeah. What's your high? My high? Well, he just came back. Um, I don't really have real highs or lows this week, but um, to see him looking at you. No, he's like looking at your crotch. My high is that things are on the up and up with Tyrion. I think I have I have a really nice cat this. Um, so that's been good because he's been kind of a shitty roommate lately. He's been really unfriendly. Oh, you know what it is? It's this. Oh, he, he loves wants the your headphone cord. Yeah, he's obsessed with the cord to the headphones, you guys. So it's very, very entertaining. But um, yeah, my cat's been nicer to me. Um, I ha- my other little high is that my family and I had a trivia night last night via Zoom. Ooh, so tell me more fun. about that. How, where did you get the questions? It's called Jackbox, and it is pretty cool. So you use your phone, and then you use your computer screen, and I love it. Oh, that's fun. I haven't done that yet. Yeah, it was fun just hanging out with my family. Oh, I love nice. My family. Who won? Yeah. Were there teams? No. But um, I won a couple of the versions. We played one. I forget. There's different ones. I think we played one called Quips. And that was like you had to write f- clever things. And I won that one. I was very happy. Oh. Um, none of us did very well at actual trivia because it was like really obscure questions that none of us knew. Mm. Okay. But it was fun. It was just good to get the, the crew together. What's your low? My low... Again, I don't really have real highs or lows this week. My low is just the amount of housework. Like, it just, I feel like my apartment's constantly dirty. I'm constantly vacuuming. I'm constantly doing dishes, laundry. Um, there's just a lot. Yeah. I'm a, apparently a very dirty person. Well, I think having the cat. Yeah, but I always have the cat. I guess so. Look at him. He's so glorious today. He is glorious. But I mean, like, don't you feel like that's why you have to vacuum more? Yeah, but the apartment has just felt dirtier than usual, hmm. especially the dishes. I think that's pr- oh, really where it's all, it's all at. Oof. So Milo isn't truly a low either, but I think it will become one. Um, So I have no boundaries right now, <laughs> like you none. like me. I feel like you sound like I, I do. I have no boundaries. It's like boundaries. What are boundaries? Um, yeah. I'm like... I know that I'm cruising for burnout. I mean, I'm so excited about rom-com pods and it has been so much fun to work on, but it has also been a ton of work. And yeah, yeah, so we've been in the final stretch just like needing to finalize everything. We've done all the casting in the past week. We've had like just so many admin stuff that we need to do in addition to finishing the script. And I feel like I've just been every night working until like 10 or 11 or midnight and like this weekend, I have things on my account. I worked all weekend last week and I have rom-com pods things. This weekend, I'm like, ooh, I have no boundaries. So I'm a little scared for myself. I don't know. The first week of – the reason I'm scared is because the first week of quarantine, I also didn't have any boundaries because I was like, oh, this seems like a great time to like get things done. And I was really productive for a week and then I crashed. So yeah, I'm worried for me. You're going to be fine. It's working so far. Yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah, we'll see. 
It's funny. I Becca and I have had to set up a call with somebody and we share calendar access. So I went into the shared calendar and Becca's whole calendar for like all of next week was blocked off. I was like, oh, oh boy. I So I just was like, Becca, you pick a time. Yeah, it's recording session. So yeah, it's a scary place. Yeah. Anyway, um, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you already have, take a screenshot of yourself listening to this podcast and put it on your Instagram story and share it with your followers to tell them that you love Bad on Paper. Or just tell a friend. Text a friend right now. Tell them that they should listen to our podcast. Would love that. Would truly love that. Yeah. Um, But we're going to take a quick little ad break before we get into the book. And we're going to tell you about another book that we're both super excited to read. I just got my copy and I'm about 15 pages in, but it's The Last House Guest by Megan Miranda. So as we said before, this is already a New York Times bestseller. Um, It's also a Reese Witherspoon book club pick. And now it's available in paperback. Yes, I can't wait to read this one. So I know Grace is more of a thriller person between the two of us, but this sounds like a great escapist read during social distancing. Yeah, so again, I just got my copy. But if you don't know Megan Miranda, you should. She is the master of the twist, and her thrillers have sold over a million copies across the United States. And I really love that her novels always highlight the complexities of female friendship. Yes. So on top of that, this one is set in a coastal vacation spot in Maine. There's class dynamics between the year-round residents and the summer visitors. I grew up on Cape Cod, so that felt very familiar to me. Um, And the two main characters of this are Sadie, who is a wealthy young summer resident. Um, She dies under mysterious circumstances. Police rule it out as a suicide, but her best friend, Avery, who is a local, um, Avery is beside herself with grief and suspicion and sets out to solve the mystery and clear Sadie's name. Ooh. So Megan Miranda, the author, is also the author of All the Missing Girls, The Perfect Stranger, and coming soon in June, The Girl from Widow Hills. And Reese Witherspoon called The Last House Guest, quote, the ultimate thriller, in her book club selection, and it's getting even more Hollywood attention as the novel was recently optioned by Elle and Dakota Fanning. Yes. So I loved All the Missing Girls, and I cannot wait to read this one. It's right up my alley. So if you are a big fan of novels by Paula Hawkins, Mary Kubica, Ruth Ware, or Jessica Knoll, you should definitely check out Megan Miranda. You're going to love her books. So you can purchase the paperback from independent bookstores through bookshop.org or from any ebook retailer. And we will provide the direct link to bookshop.org for this title in the show notes and also the ebook link. Yeah. Check it out and let us know what you think. So let's get back to our book club pick. So we read In Five Years by Rebecca Searle, and she is actually a second time bad on paper book club pick author. We read her first, not her first book, but we read another book from her, Famous in Love, because she used to write YA, I don't know, sometime in year one of the podcast. We sure did. It was, I loved those books. And we also loved her book, The Dinner List. Yes. Okay. So should we get into a plot summary? Yes. Okay, so the main character, Danny, is a 28-year-old New Yorker who is living the, quote, perfect life. 
So she's up for her dream job at the most prestigious corporate law firm. Her and her boyfriend live together in a two-bedroom in Murray Hill, and she's optimized every aspect of her life down to the minute. So the other most important person in Danny's life is her best friend, Bella. So Bella is Danny's opposite. She's flighty. She's quickly falling in and out of love. Um, but the two met as kids and stayed really close. Um, and especially as kids were close because Bella's rich parents were always jet setting around the globe. And Bella spent most of her time at Danny's house. So the morning of Danny's big interview, she's convinced that David is going to propose to her that night. At the interview, the senior partner interviewing her asks asks her where she sees herself in five years. She tells him that she'll be there working at, at the law firm as senior associate. She'll be the most requested in her year on M&A cases and outside of work. She'll be married to David, living in Gramercy Park and in the Hamptons on the weekends. So that night, David takes her to the Rainbow Room. And as she expected, David proposes with the perfect ring. After all, he is Danny's perfect match. So later that night at home, Danny accidentally falls asleep on the couch, and she wakes up confused. She's lucid, but suddenly she's not in her own apartment. She's in a loft-style apartment in Dumbo, and a man is there who is not David. So she's completely disoriented, and she sees on the TV the date, and it's five years in the future. It's December 15th, 2025. But after she looks in the closet in the bathroom, she sees her own stuff. She lives here. Yeah. So while the man is making her pasta, she looks in his wallet and finds out his name is Aaron Gregory. She also notices that she's wearing an engagement ring, but it's not the one that David gave her. So after dinner, Danny is confused, but she's feeling a lot of big emotions and a pull towards Aaron. They have sex and it's incredible. So Danny wakes up back in her real life and she's completely disoriented. She can't shake the feeling of how real her dream felt. So that week, Danny gets the job. The next year, her and David move to Gramercy into a rental. And a year later, they buy their dream home right on Gramercy Park. But after four and a half years, they're still not married. They never set a wedding date. They keep saying that they're busy, they're moving one year, David's dad had heart problems one year, but the real reason is that every time they get close to actually planning the wedding, Danny thinks about the dream. Meanwhile, Bella has a new boyfriend, Greg, and she wants Danny to meet him, so they plan a dinner. When they get there, it turns out that Greg is actually Aaron Gregory, and Danny is shook. She's so weirded out by the coincidence that she fakes food poisoning and leaves dinner. The next day, Danny goes on a run in Dumbo to check out where she thinks that the apartment from the dream is. She runs into Aaron. He's there to check out an apartment Bella might buy. He invites Danny along, and of course, it's the dream apartment. But at this point, it's still a construction zone. So Danny is spinning out over Aaron coming into her life, and she goes back to a therapist that she saw right after the dream. And she also tells David that she's ready to get married, finally, after four and a half years. And she's just really trying to keep Aaron at arm's length. But Bella notices this and is hurt that she doesn't like Aaron. So she wants her best friend and to like her boyfriend, who she's quickly falling in love with. Meanwhile, that same summer, Danny, David, Bella, and Aaron rent a Hampton's house. While they're there, Bella confides in Danny that she thinks she might be pregnant. So even though the, her relationship with Aaron is brand new, she's incredibly excited about the prospect of this. They take a test and it's positive. 
When Bella goes to the OBGYN, she finds out she was not actually pregnant. She has stage three ovarian cancer, which can sometimes present as a false pregnancy. Her course of treatment will be grueling surgery, followed by three rounds of chemo. Danny is still skeptical of Aaron, so he's only been with Bella for a few months at this point, and she thinks that he's going to run, but he tells her that he's in this. So Danny and Aaron are Bella's core support system, and the same as it was in her childhood, her parents are kind of in and out, but not a solid presence. So at first, Bella's treatment is going well, and then suddenly it takes a turn. Bella is completely ravaged by the chemo. She's too thin. She's in pain. She's vomiting all the time. In the middle of Bella's treatment, Danny is offered the opportunity of her career to lead the IPO for a female-founded search engine, but the case would require her to be in California. At first, she waffles, unsure what to do, but she ultimately takes it. So Danny attends all of Bella's doctor's appointments with her and her chemo treatments, but they get in a fight when Bella tells Danny that she's going to dinner in a Broadway show with her mom, and Danny questions if it's a good idea. So Bella calls Danny controlling and tells her that she doesn't want to talk to her. Danny is completely heartbroken. So in the meantime, she's planning her last-minute wedding half-heartedly and alone, And after a few weeks, Bella gets results from her scans. It is not good. So Danny goes to her and they make up. While they weren't speaking, Bella and Aaron got engaged. um, And Bella also raises some tough questions about Danny and David. Does she really love him? Does she actually want to marry him? With the seeds planted, Danny suggests to David that they postpone their wedding again. Finally, he pushes the subject of whether Danny truly wants to marry him and they break up. Danny moves in with Bella. So a week after she moves in, Danny comes home and finds all of her stuff is missing. So she calls Aaron and he asks her to meet him at an address. It's the apartment in Dumbo. So Bella bought the apartment and renovated it to give it to Danny. And she said that she knew Danny belonged there. She was renovating it still, even when they were fighting. And also, I want to talk about this. Aaron kisses her. And then he apologizes. Bella stops treatment. There's no point of it anymore. Quickly, Bella dies. Her mom is planning a funeral, but it's not the funeral Bella would want. Danny suggests to Aaron that they should plan something Bella would want, a celebration of life. After the funeral, Aaron goes with Danny back to her Dumbo apartment, and we are back to the night of the dream. It happens exactly like it did before. The big feelings that were happening was her grief over Bella's death. Later that night, Danny goes out to the deli in her neighborhood, and she ends up running into Bella's oncologist. So they stay there talking until the deli closes, and he asks her out when she's ready. Yeah. Oh, I'm feeling all of the emotions from this book all over again. This was a very intense book. Yeah. Okay, we're going to talk about it. But first, we're going to take a quick little break to tell you about a podcast that we are loving. It's called G Thanks, Just Bought It, and it's brought to you by the producers of Forever 35. Yeah, so the show is hosted by Caroline Moss, who's a shopping expert. And let me just say, Caroline knows her way around an Amazon cart. So every week, Caroline and her guest share life-changing, under-the-radar products that you didn't think you needed. Yeah, so we have both discovered so many things we never knew we needed from this podcast. For example, our friend and past podcast guest Molly Chen went on recently and recommended Tiny Tongs. And honestly, I mean, we both trust Molly for anything food-related. Other featured products include foot hammocks. I didn't even know what they were, but now I feel like I need them for my next airplane flight. 
um, the perfect spatula and full face ice masks. I definitely need a full face ice mask. And seriously, she has some amazing guests on, like both of our favorite cookbook author, Allison Roman, Zara Rahim, who's the head of communications at The Wing, our friend and past podcast, Hitha Palapu. It is such a fun way to get introduced to interesting women and life-changing products. So if you're looking for some insider scoop on the best products to buy, you've got to subscribe to G Thanks Just Bought It. You can get it wherever you listen to podcasts. Go check it out. Okay. So what did you think of this book? I loved it. I read it. I don't think I read it in one sitting, but I read it very quickly the first time. It is, it's a short book. Grace, I sobbed my face off. I, I literally was just ugly crying. I, I was so in an emotional hole reading this book. I felt the same. Did I you cried, cry? I cried so much and then I cried again listening to the audiobook before we did this episode. I didn't cry the second time and I can't tell if it's because I didn't because the audiobook was a different experience or because I already knew the twist that was going to happen. But Mm -hmm. oh my God, the first time I just had like a stack of gross tissues on my um, ottoman because I was crying so hard. So hard. Oh, I loved this. I, I mean, I really like Rebecca Searle. I've been such a fan of hers for a long time. She used to write YA and I, I think I've read all of her YA books. And then her first adult book was The Dinner List, which I really enjoyed. Um, so I was really looking forward to this, but it's kind of, um, it's not the language around the description is kind of unclear what you're going to get. So when the dream happens, I was like, oh, I actually thought that Danny was going to die. So I was just like really blindsided by what the actual plot of the book was. Yeah. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Um, it, it, it really killed me. Do you like a sad but book? But in a good way. I do. And I think that sometimes you need a good cry and like you'll be, you you know, you've seen The Holiday, right? And how Cameron Diaz goes through that stage where she can't cry. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I feel like that. And then reading a sad book is like you'll cry and it's such a good release. Yeah. I think if you're in the right mood for it or if you haven't read a sad book in a while, I, I love a good sad book. Yeah. Same. I also, I thought this book was such a good New York book. You know when you read a book about New York and it's clear that the writer either doesn't live here or lived here a very long time ago? Yes. I just felt like this was so spot on to present day New York. Like all of the references, like in the first couple pages, Danny goes to Sarge's Deli for a whitefish sandwich, which is her like big day breakfast. Or... um she, for her engagement, she goes shopping at Reformation downtown. Like, I just thought that the character, like, I understood exactly who she was based on where she was going, where she lived, what she oh, liked. Yeah. I loved and that like part living of it. in Murray Hill, and they could get a two bedroom there, even though it's like where all the college kids live. Or I having, was like, her, yes, or having her dream apartment be in Gramercy. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it, I don't know. Like, I, something about it was just really additive for me all the New York references. Yes, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Um wait, so I'm wondering have you ever had a very vivid dream? Yes, I have a, I've been having a lot of um really vivid dreams. Oh, really? Especially during quarantine, but I have oh, a lot. Oh, interesting. Yeah, where you wake up and you're like 
still sad because somebody important to you died or you're angry because someone did something to you in the dream, but they didn't do it in real life. Like I felt, felt I've woke up like feeling grudges or like upset with somebody because they did something in the dream. Oh, man. I almost yeah. never remember my dreams. Oh, really? Yeah. I Yeah. I rarely remember my dreams or it's just a snippet and it's something that's obviously didn't happen. Yeah. No, I remember a lot of mine. I I only recall having a very vivid dream that I confused with real life one time. It was when I was in my first job after college and I worked at this consulting firm and I had a dream that these two guys on my team got into like a physical fight, like a fist fight. And I don't remember the details, but in the dream, there were details about what it was over. Like it was something that was plausible. And uh, I remember being going to work the next day and I was like, oh my God, it's going to be so dramatic. I can't wait to see what happens. And then like slowly over the course of the morning, I realized that I had dreamt this and that there wasn't going to be any drama. It's so weird when that happens. I do that too. But yeah. But I've never had a, a very vivid lucid dream that I've confused about myself, you know? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Wait, so what did you think was going to happen to get Danny to her dream? Well, so at the beginning, I thought that maybe Danny was going to die. But how? I don't know. She- I don't know. She was like, she was forgetting things. Like, it seemed like there was something wrong with her. I thought she was going to die. Clearly, <laughs> okay. she didn't. I don't know how that fit in with the dream, but I thought that that was going to be the plot. Okay. Like, kind of like a walk to remember, oh. which I guess this was, but Bella was Mandy Moore. I don't know. Okay. How did you think it was going to go? I really wasn't sure. I um I kept, like, changing my hypothesis of what was going to happen. Like, at first, it was I was like, oh, she, like take it at face value. She's going to meet this guy and blah, blah, blah. Then I was like thinking that maybe Bella would die and tell her that she should be with Aaron. And oh, I did think that to be together. once Bella got sick, that's, that is what I thought would happen. Yeah, I did too. I was like, oh, Bella's going to give them their blessing and they're going to fall in love because they both love Bella so much. But that didn't happen either. I liked the way that it ended because I would have just felt like, I don't know, the relationship would have been really tarnished to me if they did get together. Well, I I did. I loved the way that you she described the dream in the beginning and then she re-described the dream at the end. And then there were little details about questions that she asked or about things that he said or things that she felt that made more sense. So I loved having the context. I thought that was really, I don't know, so it was so well done. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I didn't I didn't see it coming. Yeah. But wait, can we actually talk about what you just said? What so, did I just say? Oh, the tarnished? About how they got together. How you would have been pissed if they it would have been tarnished for you if they got together. Yeah. Okay. So the first time I read the book, I do not it I did not internalize that he kissed her before Bella died. I forgot about that too. And then when it happened in the audiobook, I was like, what the fuck? I was furious. I know, me too. Like I I was like, maybe it um maybe in the book I thought that she was imagining it happening, or I don't know, but it, it didn't strike me. And that totally changed the book for me. I was like, sir, why are you kissing somebody while your fiance is dying? Yes, I know. I was very upset. That definitely changed the book for me because I I wasn't necessarily upset about what did happen that they 
they slept together in their grief. I mean, sure, not great, but like I, I understood what was happening. But then when he kissed her, I, I don't know, this changed it for me. Yeah, same. I was not happy. No. I totally forgot about that during the book. I know. And it, yeah. he, and he apologizes, but it's never really like they don't go into, he's not like, here's what I was feeling. I was like, sir, get it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I know. I agree. Um, So one thing that I really, really liked about this book that I realized the second time that I read it in prep for this book club is that I really liked that Danny is uptight. And I liked that she not was unlikable, but that she was just that her personality that was the way that it was. Because I feel like in a lot of books, she would usually be the best friend and Bella would be the hero slash like the main character. Like, I feel like the only way that Danny would usually be the main character is if her life was falling apart. And then the whole story was around her like life change montage of like learning how to let go. Yes, I like that, too. But I also really like that um, Bella really was like a very strong and like saved Danny in so many ways. And that Danny had the realization that, yes, Bella is flighty and she's like, you know, got her own little things, but that Bella was like a lot smarter than she like gave her credit for. I agree with that. I I agree. I liked that their friendship and how realistically it was portrayed that neither of them were perfect and they were kind of opposites, but it made sense that they were friends, both because of their history, but then also that they like both added something to each other's life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I love a good female friendship story. Yeah. Yeah. I was not prepared for this, Grace. I I mean, I've dealt with cancer multiple times in my life in the form of older relatives having it. This made me yeah. think about what how I would feel if one of my close friends had cancer or was very sick in any way. Grace, I like I could not handle that. No, I know. It's like know. when somebody who's older, when it happens to somebody who's older, like that makes sense, but like I don't know, like I feel like this didn't even I feel like Danny says it a couple times, but like the unfairness of it, like I would be mad. Yeah, I would be so mad. And they're so young. It just like killed me. I know. It was, uh, I don't know. It it, like tortured me a little because I could see myself in Danny in terms of being like somewhat similar in some personality traits. I'm obviously not a corporate lawyer and not in a five-year relationship that like will they or won't they. Uh, get married. But um, I don't know. I saw myself in some ways in this character. And and so I was like, oh, my God, like I I couldn't handle it if this happened in my life. I know. I agree. It was so upsetting. It was so upsetting. Um, Wait, so would you have taken the job if you were Danny? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I could say that without actually being in her shoes. I mean, it, it would depend. Like it would depend on the logistics. It would depend on like my friendship with the person. I don't know. Would you? Yeah, it's really hard to say. I think you're right. It it would really depend. But I liked that. I liked that there was a part of the story about that there were other things going on in Danny's life and that, you know, the cancer was happening over a long period of time where it wasn't just like, yes, I'm going to be a good friend. But it was like something that she was living with for a while. Yeah. Um, And I thought that that was a really interesting like depth to it in terms of how do you do what you need to do for yourself while also being there for somebody who's going through something hard. Yeah. I loved her boss, though. Yeah, I loved her boss, too. I was glad that she had 
this nice gay boss to tell her that she was a good person and and to like tell her that she needed to take care of her boundaries in her life. Yeah, I did too. I liked him a lot. So I was I was glad for her in that regard. But no, I don't know if I would take yeah. if I would have taken the job. It would it would be so circumstantial. You know who I didn't like in this? Who? Fucking David. You didn't like David? Not really. I mean Why? The whole thing was that he was a he was the perfect match. Like they were he worked in investment banking and then he worked in a hedge fund and that they were both kind of like uptight in the same way and they like thought the same way. And so at the beginning I was like, okay, sure, like He's fine. But then later in the book, where first he's telling Danny that she should um that she should go take the job. I thought that that felt a little callous. Like he was it wasn't even like a conversation. He was like you should do what's best for you. It's like fuck you, David. Yeah. And then second, yeah. when she when she broaches the subject of wanting to postpone their wedding again, I mean, I get that they'd been engaged for four and a half years and like maybe they'd kind of planned it and it hadn't gone forward. But I was like, fuck you. Her best friend is dying. Like, cut her a little bit of slack, David. Yeah, I just felt I felt bad for him. Mostly. I felt like I I think that, yes, cut her some slack. Her best friend's dying, but also like four and a half years of engagement and like continually postponing it. I felt I didn't I didn't dislike him. I just felt bad for him. I mean, I felt bad for him at points because he definitely loved Danny more than Danny loved her. But I also was like, dude, like, get some feelings. Which is the I mean, person in The Wizard of Oz that has no heart? The Tin Man? Tin Man. Yeah. Like, what a Tin Man. He's a Tin Man. But he, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to be engaged to him. He seemed boring. But um, I felt bad for him. I did. But, I mean, it reminded me of this. There's this theory. I don't know where this is from. I, it could be something that's psychological. It could be something that I read in, like, some schmaltzy book. I really don't remember. But like there's this theory about circles of grief where the center is the person who's has the thing happening to them. And then the per- then like the row outside is like the direct people in their lives who are supporting them. And then there's like concentric circles. So like theoretically, like it's happening to Bella. And then Danny's the circle right outside. Her and Aaron are like supporting Bella. And then David's the circle outside. And it's like he wasn't being very supportive where it's like you can only you can only look for support from the people who are outside your circle. Like Danny and Aaron are both in it so they can commiserate, but like you can't lean on him for support because he's going through as much as you are. And then obviously you can't lean inward to Bella. And I was like, yeah, apparently David didn't read this book theory, whatever, wherever this theory came from. But I was like, David, you're being a very bad support system right now. Well, that's funny. I don't know. It made yeah, me think I of that. that article, but that makes a lot of sense. Outside of bringing her a, a bagel at the hospital, I was like, David, you do not seem like a good support network. No, I felt like he was boring and just like very work focused and not someone I'd want to be engaged to. But I also felt bad for him. What did you think of Aaron? Were you into him? Yeah, I liked him a lot. Okay. He's, except until he kissed Bella. I mean, until totally. he kissed Danny. Like, I I thought he was just, like, such a model. Like, he was kind of like a fake boyfriend. Like, he almost was, like, so good that he didn't seem real. Didn't they make a joke about him being an architect and that not being a real job that people have? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked him, but he... I liked him for Bella. I didn't like him for Danny. Yeah, no. Him and Danny made no sense. Yeah. What about Bella's parents? Did you like them? Fuck, man. Like, this girl got such a raw deal. Like, she had cancer. She had these shitty parents. Her boyfriend went and kissed her best friend while she was dying. Yeah. Honestly, like, um, her parents sucked. Her parents sucked. Her parents sucked. Her mom 
uh, it, you know, it's hard for me to say, like, I hated her mom in the book because her mom was there the most, but her dad wasn't even there. So I guess that's worse by not being there. But there was this scene at the very end where Danny has to go to the hotel where Bella's mom is staying and she like finds her and she's like, you have to go to the apartment like your daughter's dying. And she's like, oh, I just felt in the way. And it was like, Jill. Yeah. Yeah. Like, who are you getting tips, support tips from, David? Yeah. Ugh. The worst. Seriously, the worst. I mean, I guess, I mean, that certainly it's like it exists like narcissistic parents who, you know, it's like you don't have to have abusive parents to have bad parents. But, oh, my God, like I was like these people, it wasn't worse. I like there are certainly worse types of parents, but I wanted to just shake them. Same. They were Same. so bad. So bad. So, so bad. Um, What did you think that the theme of this book was? And I'll give a, a light spoiler that we talk – so we have a bonus episode tomorrow where we're talking to Rebecca Searle, who is the author about this book. And she tells us about how fate is a theme that she's, like, really interested in exploring. But I kind of didn't think that was the theme for me. I don't know. What did you think it was? I think it was – Kind of the fact that people are multidimensional and that there's more to Bella than than she was like Danny underestimated her a lot. But then Danny also has all these other sides. And like it's kind of like I guess fate is at work here where like, you know, Danny ends up getting what she needs. But I think it's it's kind of like that people are are complicated. And also, of course, friendship and the importance of those relationships. Yeah. I kind of felt like the theme was that it's it's hard to know what you want. Yeah. I'm not wording that eloquently, but like I I felt like the theme was that Danny was had this crystal clear picture of what her life was going to be like and she gets asked at that interview where she's going to be in 5 years and she doesn't hesitate. She has like the answer at the ready. And then as she's living it, in some cases because of the dream which I guess would be fate, but as she's living it, it turns out not to be what she wants. And it's like, you know, it's like, how do you know what you're going to want until you live it and then figure out if it's a yes or a no for you? Yes. Agreed. Yeah. I, I mean, I obviously I think fate, the literal interpretation of like, she has this dream and then it happens is a theme, but I don't know. I, I thought that there was, that wasn't my main takeaway. Like if before our conversation with Rebecca, you asked me to sum it up, in I couldn't do it in one word, but in a couple words, I would be I would say it's about not how hard it is to know what you want and yeah, what's gonna make or, you happy. And that what you want can can change and yeah. It's it's your like life plan is malleable. Yeah. Well yeah. thinking of that, if we go back in time, what did you think that your life would look like today, five years ago? I don't know, probably similar, except I probably thought that I would live in Charleston by now, not Brooklyn. But yeah, I don't think it would look that different. Were you still with your ex no. five years ago? Oh, okay. Oh, I think we broke up like six years ago. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I was wondering if you were going to say that you thought you'd be like married and with kids. Yeah, no. What about job wise? Have you been working for yourself for five years? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, I've been working for myself for 
a little over, it w- was five years in January. Oh, well, then this is a shitty question to you. Yeah, it's kind of the same. If it was 10 years ago, I probably would have, I don't know what I would have envisioned for myself. I probably would have envisioned myself like working my way up the ladder at a big beauty company and um, married with a child or two. How about you? I don't know. So five years ago, let's see. So five years ago, I that was the year that I quit my job at Bobble Bar and took the job at Lola. So career-wise, I think that I thought I would have been headed towards like working for an increasingly high-titled jobs or at increasingly large companies like heading marketing. I think I definitely pictured myself in like a more stable career. I don't know what I'm doing with my career right now. I'm not worried about that, but (laughs) I definitely didn't think I would be like so Mm -hmm. loosey-goosey. Definitely didn't think I would move to Brooklyn. That's for sure. I wouldn't have foreseen that for myself. Um, If like if the opportunity hadn't lined up where you and Alex were like, there's an apartment in our building, move in. Like I never would have just been like, I'm going to look at apartments in Brooklyn. Yeah, same. Alex kind of strong-armed me into moving into this building and I definitely like didn't I it, moving to Brooklyn was never a part of my plan. Yeah. And then I I thought that I would be in a serious relationship and if not married, like settled romantically. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it is I think it's just as crazy to think forward 5 years as it is to look back 5 years and be like, "Oh my god, I am like 5 years ago my life was very different." Yeah, yeah, I know. Yours was the same. <laughs> it 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 is, but I live in Brooklyn now. <laughs> and my cat's middle aged. She's not a kitten anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's very different. <laughs> okay. I'm curious, do you have any recommendations of other books that you've liked that made you cry? Matchmaking for Beginners makes me made me sob. Oh my god, Grace, that book. I remember reading it on a train. I was on a train from either Connecticut to New York or Boston to New York. And I was just, I remember sitting in a window seat and like being like, I have to like face away because I was just sobbing on and off so hard throughout that book. It's so sad. So sad. But so good. Do you have any others? Um, No. I just cried reading um, Feels Like Falling, but that, was more happy tears. Okay. It wasn't very sad. Okay. How about you? I, I love a good sad book. Um, I would say my ultimate sad book, like the saddest book I've ever read, is A Little Life. Oh, yeah. I haven't read that, but I know that it's like an amazing book. It's so good, but it is crushing. It is crushing. Oh. It's um, A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. And it's about a group of four friends, um, all of them are men, and it follows them from college through to, I think their 40s or or 30s, and like what happens in their lives. And oh my God, it is is crushingly sad at points where it, it would take me so long to read chapters because I was just bawling. Yeah. Another book that I remember really hitting me hard was this book called the Rules of Inheritance, which is a memoir by Claire Bidwell-Smith. And it's about her losing both of her parents in uh, – she's college-aged. 
And I remember sobbing my way through that too. And I'm also, that book, at one point, it was like optioned by Jennifer Lawrence and it was going to become a movie. And I want to say that Nate from Gossip Girl was going to be in it. Oh, wow. I wonder what happened with that. Time to do some Googling. I know. I also like a sad yeah. TV show. Although I draw the line at This Is Us. I had to stop watching This Is Us. Oh, that that show was just emotional blackmail. I quit that show. Like the second Jack died, I was out. I It was like I, I just couldn't. I like a show that is sad sometimes, but I just couldn't gear myself up to have an emotional breakdown every week. Every week. And you can't, every single you week. can't binge it because you're like, oh, I just like I just had a breakdown. Like I can't sob for six straight yeah. hours. So no, yeah, terrible. I, I had to give up. I I like couldn't do it. I also quit. But I do generally like a sad book or movie or TV show. Yeah, me too. Shall we get out of our our book discussion and get into some other matter? Did you have anything yeah. else to say? I didn't. Okay. I'm I'm done talking about the book because I'm I'm slipping into a depression thinking about it. Well, I guess if you've now listened to this episode and you haven't read the book, we've really spoiled it for you. But um, it's short. It's like it, even though it was so intense what happened to Bella, I did feel like it was a cathartic cry. Not oh, same. It like didn't torture you. Like you weren't sitting in it for hours and hours of reading. No, it was. It, I mean, it was one of the best books I've read in ages. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I honestly, I think it might be. I think it might be the best book I've read this year so far. Yeah, I think so too. But I think we read it in December. Oh, the best book yeah. I've read that come came out this year. Yeah, I would say that. Okay, let's get into some some other matter. Grace, what are you obsessed with? I really like TikTok. I'm so glad to hear you say that. So I feel like I open. I can't open it up in the morning anymore because. I open it up and I can't get off because I'm just watching videos for like an hour. What's your What's your TikTok feed like? What's What are you seeing content wise? Dances and funny lip syncs. So the reason I'm asking is because so I have a TikTok group text of um, like five of my friends who are also like really deep in TikTok and we like send each other TikToks. But one time we were comparing and we realized that all of our feeds were completely different. Like the things that we were seeing and enjoying. So it was like we were all obsessed with TikTok, but what each of us is seeing was not the same as what the other people were seeing. Yeah, everyone's feed is like so custom to them. Like I was talking to Jeremy from French Boys and his is all photography tips. I was like, oh no, mine's all dances and lip syncs. I get a lot of dances, but I don't get lip syncs. I love lip syncs. I've been doing them on my account. They're not very good, but I have so (laughs) much fun making them. Well, I'm so glad that you're obsessed with TikTok. Now I'll have to send you... TikToks that I see that make me think of you. You do sometimes. But I'll send you more. That's the tip of the iceberg. You guys, she already sends me like three a day. I like TikTok. So Sue me. So you have, how many am I going to get now? Like 25? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> oh, I can't we'll see. I do. I will say that I do get a lot of animal TikToks, which it doesn't sound like you get that you might enjoy. I get some cat ones, but I'm careful about what I like because I don't want to be served like tons of cat ones. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm also obsessed with my extra strength CBD drops. Um, you know, I work with e- Equilibria a lot and I love them, the extra strength ones. Like they definitely help. I've had a lot of anxiety and they just like help calm me down a little. Yeah. I'm obsessed with your obsession. I know what it is and I can't wait for mine to come. So I'm obsessed with my air fryer. So I care remember if I said this on Instagram or on this podcast, but I, I got really drunk a few weeks ago and I bought an air fryer. 
and I didn't remember that I bought it until the shipping confirmation came the next day. But I was really excited about it because it's something that I've been thinking about for a really long time, but I never pulled the trigger on because I just like don't have that much counter space. That's how I felt until you got it. And I was like, well, I, I've been thinking about this purchase for so long. Well, I mean, here's, that's why I bought it. here's the thing. Do you need an air fryer? No. Did it only cost $60? And is it something that's making cooking fun during the pandemic? Yes. Will yeah. I probably get sick of it at some point? Maybe. But it's so cute, too. It's so cute. I got this one. It's called the brand is called Go Wise, and it's the 2.7 quart air fryer. And I got mine at Home Depot. You got yours on Amazon, right? Yes. And she got light pink and I got pale yellow. Yeah. Okay. So, so far I've used it. I made buffalo chicken fingers, which were very good. They were, so it's, I guess it's a convection oven. So you bread them with egg and flour and panko, but then there's not, you're not frying them in oil, but they were still crispy. It was magic. It was so good. Oh my God, I can't wait to make chick- buffalo chicken fingers. I can't wait. And then um, I also have made broccoli in it. Like just the oh, same. How did that go? It was really good. Like it was just the same way that you would roast broccoli. So it had olive oil and like salt and pepper. Um, But instead yeah. of putting it in the oven, I put it in the air fryer and it only took like seven minutes. Like it was quicker. I, I liked it. It was delicious. It was good. I- I'm not going to say that it was better than roasting, but it was easy and it was like quick. Yeah. Um. What else have I used it for? Oh, I made frozen tater tots in it. It was really crispy. It was good. Amazing. I'm so excited for mine. I'm so excited. I, I want to share recipe tips with you. Comes in early May. Amazon's very slow these days. It is. What about on Instagram? Yeah. So I, so I've loved Stanley Tucci for a very long, long time, especially in Devil Wears Prada. Stanley Tucci um, like won the internet this week. So Stanley Tucci was making a Negroni. It was very calming to watch, but he was making it for someone called Felicity. And I didn't know much about Stanley Tucci's personal life. So I was like, hmm, wonder who Felicity is. Then I was thinking maybe it was Felicity Jones, who's much younger than him. I just wasn't sure who it was. Turns out he is married to Felicity Blunt, who is Emily Blunt's sister. And Emily Blunt co-starred with him in Devil Wears Prada and set them up. So I thought that was really funny. Also, which is apropos to this book, I think Stanley Tucci's first wife died of like cancer or something very tragic. And they have like five kids together. I might be making up five, but they have a lot of kids together. Oh, interesting. I know. Well, now I'm like obsessed with him even more. Yeah. Did you see the photos from his cookbook? Like I would never have told you that I was sexually attracted to Stanley Tucci, but I was in those photos. I haven't seen them. I need to look into them. Oh, yeah. He has like good forearms. Um, I don't have an Instagram. I didn't follow anyone new this week. So I will second Stanley Tucci's Negroni video being a very solid Instagram piece of content this week. Yeah, it was really good. What on the what reading? About, oh, oh, you go. What about reading? Okay. So as I said last week, I started The Air Affair, which is the second book, uh, the sequel to The Royal We by uh, Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan. And it comes out in July. Grace, it is delightful to fall back into this universe. I think I'm going to have to get a Kindle just to read it. It's so good. I'm only about halfway through. I haven't had very much time to read with everything that's been going on with rom-com pods, but um, I'm so enjoying it. I actually thought that the book was going to be much more about Freddie, who's like the prince 
Harry character. And it's not. It's still about Nick yeah. and Bex. And it basically picks up right where the last one ended. And it's about like them and their married life. So um, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. But I'm I'm like delighted to be back in this universe. Oh, I love that. I can't wait to read it. What are you reading? So I just finished reading Feels Like Falling by Christy Woods and Harvey, which I loved. It was so cute. Christy's books... I feel like they're just so heartwarming and nice. Like I love the whole Peachtree Bluff series. And I just think that she writes so well. She's kind of like a Southern Ellen Hildebrand. She also, um, I always read her books, like waiting for someone to turn bad or like be a villain. Cause you know, I love a thriller and they're always, there never is a villain. Everyone's always just really nice. I'm excited to read that one. Yeah, highly recommend. And then I just, I'm only like 15 pages into the Megan Miranda book that we have an ad with, The the Last Guest House. I mean, The Last House Guest. I keep calling it the wrong thing. Um, um, let me know how that is. I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. to hear. Yeah. I feel like I, I have too big a reading pile, too little time. Mm-hmm. But you know what? We have a new book club pick for you. We sure do. So we haven't read this book yet. We struggled a little bit picking a book this month because we didn't want to pick anything that was too heavy or too long. Long. So we kind of scrapped what we were originally going to pick. And then we picked this book that sounded deranged. My and mom's read it. And I was going to say, it. I was going to say, we haven't read it, but Denise Atwood has. So if you don't like it, we're all going to blame her. Denise Atwood picked this month's book. So we're going to read The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. It's set in Charleston. It sounds amazing. It sounds gruesome. It's like, it's like I don't know. It sounds like a little bit of a horror movie. My mom's she was addicted and couldn't put it down. Great. I ordered it. Um, Amazon's delivery times are so long so i ordered it through bookshop.org the other me night too. Mm-hmm. well i ordered it on both and now it's a race to see which one gets to me oh well i'm very excited to read it i feel me like too. it's like something light and ridiculous that mm-hmm. will be what i want right now so pick that up and read it along with us and we will discuss it the last friday in may we sure will and if you have thoughts on in five years or just want more of us Head to our Facebook group. Just search Bad on Paper on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast or I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I'm on Instagram at, at Grace Atwood and I'm on TikTok at, at Grace Atwood 5. And I have a blog called thestripe.com where I post every day. Don't follow me on TikTok. I'm embarrassing. Now that you <laughs> reverse psychology to them, now they're going to want to go. Now, yeah, now I'm going to get like a million followers. Okay, well, 300 right now. We'll see you next week. All right, see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.